1: Good morning, welcome to At Home with Roby. I'm Patrick McIsaac from Roby Commercial Services, i with Trent Haston from the Roby family of companies. We are your host, Trent. It's Sunday.
2: Nine to ten, every Sunday, Patrick.
1: Say that Go ahead time. say time. I was hoping you would say it. No, I don't. You're the Sheesh. intro guy. Hey, so let me ask you a question. Our guest today hails from Louisiana, and you got an LSU microphone.
2: It's purple. We were having LSU. Shaquille O'Neal conversations, but he's a game Yeah. <clears throat> And he's from the Triad, I think. But he, I'm just saying, I think he's got some
1: Louis- Louisiana ties. Yeah, he's got some Louisiana ties. A little Cajun. Ties, a
2: little Cajun here. I like him. I think it. he's a Tar Heel at heart. No, he's a Gamecock at heart. Kempton Schwab is coming on here. He's actually in the studio, but we're going to make him sit on his hands and be quiet. You will realize in a few <laughs> minutes that that's very hard for him to do.
1: <laughs> if it's, it's okay, Kempton, I think it would be hard for him and I to do that also. Uh, sit back on our hands. But I got a good I got a I'm good, working on my
2: I'm working on tempering my voice box.
1: I have a good North Carolina South Carolina story. I think I might have said this before, but a little known fact, I went to Clemson we talk about that quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. If you uh, didn't
2: know that, have you ever heard 2 so, minutes of the show? So
1: we were at orientation my dad, um, who's been on the show, he, he has uh let's just say has a lack of a filter kind of says whatever, and there's a kid talking to him, and you have Carolina this and Carolina that, and here my dad's having the conversation with the kid the entire time thinking he's talking about North Carolina because he's saying, Carolina, Carolina, Carolina. I finally nudge him like, Dad, he's talking about South Carolina, and he just looked at the kid and goes, oh, okay, and turned away. <laughs> <laughs> Your dad went to Carolina. To yeah, that. oh, yeah. North yeah, yeah, yeah. Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah. So. As Dabo said, Carolina's in Chapel Hill, <clears throat> and USC's in California. Oh, dang. They don't like that. At South Carolina. Dabo
2: had a rough season, though, didn't he? It's all right. Ooh. Oh, ho, 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 ho. Dabo might need to jump on that portal. <laughs> you serious? <laughs> I don't know. He, I you're think right. he's adapting. How many coaches does he lose? All of them? Uh, yeah, <laughs> trying, I think you might be the wide receiver coach next year. Oh my uh, word! Yeah, it's a, it's a rebuild. We call that a rebuilding year. Nah, no, I gotta. I I like Clemson because of my boy Brent Beeson and mother mother Tigers. So uh, I can't jab them too hard. This this is this is brotherly jabs. Yeah, it's all good. It is all good. It's all good. Man, this cold weather we're having, man. I can't. I, I all I can think about during the day is going home and building a fire. <laughs> I'm serious, and if you know me, you ever been in my house or right at my home, you know I like fires.
1: I I understand. Yeah, I do. Um, it, it, there is something about a fire. Though I, we like building fires when we can. It, I don't have a fire, got a wood burning fireplace, but there's a huge difference between a gas fireplace and and burning some real live wood.
2: Yeah, a gas fireplace is not a fire. That's a, it's a heater. That's faux faux crap. It's a heater. That's like my dog. You got a faux dog? He's yeah, he's Australian Labradoodle or something. He don't smell and doesn't shed. What kind of dog is that? He'll growl that shit pretty good though. I, he will growl. I vowed, shit. I vowed to never have a faux dog. <clears throat> my dog was gonna have be a big dog and uh, stink and swim in the river and do all that. And then I, I like my faux status.
1: That's good. <laughs> <laughs> you get old. I'll, n- I'll never rise. have a
2: big, mean, s- river, stinking, shedding tumbleweed dog again. No. Hold
1: <laughs> up. You, you, you won't to toss wildly, wildly get in the water, won't he? he yeah, while he swims. I gotcha. He just, when he swims, he shakes and all the smell comes right off. Nah, when he swims,
2: he like elevates over the water. <laughs> he doesn't even touch the water. <laughs> <He> just floats. <laughs> nice. Nice, <laughs> nice, nice. Oh, nice. Lord. No, I, I had, when I first. Got out of college. I got my first live dog, was a Chesapeake Bay Retriever, and then I got a, a female version a year later. And they lived the full long life. Bush but man, and man. I used to have tumbleweeds in my house, <clears throat> and it stunk. <laughs> I don't know. They would go swimming. They brought the Catawba to the bedroom. No, I, I, <laughs> I and there's only a wet,
1: smelly lake dog.
2: Is, what would is, and I and they love swimming. What and I love them dogs. What would really get me is when they ate a five day old catfish, and then came and breathed in my face. <laughs> oh, man, I think everyone just cringed at that. I mean, I could hear it
1: coming back to us.
2: My father in law told me the other day he heard he listened to our show about three weeks ago. We did what we did a show just about Charlotte, and he said I listened to your show, your podcast about Charlotte. I said, "Well, how was it?" He said, "It was good." So now I'm talking about catfish. Old Tom gave us a thumbs up. He did. I think he like he likes eating <clears throat> catfish too. He's probably hungry. Tom, but, Tom likes the catfish. Like, <laughs> like Bush, Bush. Riverview Inn. and Bush. They? They're tearing the Riverview Inn down. I know. You told us about that a couple. What are they What are they putting there? No, I t- I told you it's being torn down. I know, yeah, I think so. But what are we putting What are we putting at the Riverview? I don't Inn? know. I think that I think the state bought it. I think they're gonna. Use some of that land to build the new bridge over the river. They need to do bridge. Seventy-four over river. highway seventy-four. That is bridge. the most narrow
1: lane in Charlotte. I mean, every time if if you're driving one of the trucks, which I know you drive a truck. I mean, you grit your teeth if you got a car to the left of you. You just better hang on tight. And or you straight. hit them, just run them off long the side guardrail onto one of those kayaks down the road. <laughs> yeah exactly (laughs) you ain't racing if you ain't rubbing tj uh Uh, don't know if you're aware i know you're the producer
2: but ain't nobody can hear you man we can hear you yeah so (laughs) so yeah kempton's got the kempton's live in the studio he's got the third mic today that you usually speak up into yeah uh we like him when he up. so the other day we were driving home i had the whole family in the car coming home from church and I said I gotta take y'all somewhere, and I go a couple extra exits down 485, go down, you know, and and we get about, and the kids are going, why are we going this? What are we doing? You always take us places. And we get about five minutes away from Riverview. I'm going down Moore Chapel Road, like where the Whitewater Center is. And Reagan goes, they must be tearing down Riverview in. And I said, yep. How'd you know? No, I didn't tell her. I didn't even let it let the cat out the bag till they saw the Traco. And all my kids know what a traco is. So yeah, anyway. I hear you. Well, tee up, that's Kempton. a big, that's a big piece of history in my life. I think in Charlotte's life, that that fish camp was strong for for decades. So uh, the Riverview View Inn, Captain Wendy, there, nice piece of property. I think they're going to create some value with this new bridge and and then probably put put some mixed use or something, housing. We'll see what they do there in that in that cove on the river. But our guest today is Kempton Schwab. He helps people buy and sell businesses, and he is a quintessential entrepreneur. Can't wait to hear what he's got going on in his life when we return on the At Home with Roby show.
1: Welcome back to At Home with Roby. I'm Patrick McIsaac from Roby Commercial Services. on Trent Haysen from the Roby family of companies. We are your hosts, Trent. We have a real live guest in the
2: studio. Yeah, I think it's our third one since covid, since
1: 1998. Since
2: the return of covid. The the hold on, not the return of covid. The start? The Omicron. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. No to the Delta. No, no. Since covid started. <laughs> that was a joke.
1: <laughs> I know.
2: I'm trying to know. make light of a bad situation. <laughs> but it, shh. no
1: pressure, Kimpton,
2: no pressure. Kimpton
0: Schwab. How you doing, buddy? Hey, man! How you doing? I'm great. It's a it's a privilege to see you, and thank you for having me. Good, I mean yeah. In all seriousness, in the world, you get to meet great people, and you're definitely one of them. And I'm honored to be <laughs> thank, on your show.
2: Thank you. Kempton is a fellow YPO. Or how long you been in YPO, Kempton?
0: I got into YPO in 2009. So what is that about 13, 14 years? Yeah, something like that? a little longer than me. Yeah, I'm running on about
1: 10. Uh, when somebody says 2009 was 13 years ago, I swear that just doesn't something just doesn't seem right. Mm-hmm. I feel like 2000 was four or five years ago still.
0: Oh, I got a unique YPO story. Um, I was in a forum before I was in YPO. One of my friends, oh, nice. uh, said, "How big's your business?" And I told him, and he said, "Okay, you got to join this YPO thing." And I said, "What is that?" And he says, no, seriously, you need to do it. And I said, what's it going to cost me? <laughs> yeah. And he goes, I don't know, anywhere from $10,000 a year to a million dollars a year. I said, well, that's a pretty big range, Ian. <laughs> and um, I said, can we get it closer to ten? And he goes, yeah, you can make whatever you want out of it. And I was really hesitant to join the organization, and then I was actually in Nassau in the Bahamas, and I met a lady named Patricia Hermans, and she asked me, she goes, you wouldn't happen to be in YPO, would you? And I was like, no, I'm not, but my friend tells me about it. And he and she basically uh, really put it forward to me to make me realize how bonded that community is, and it was the tipping point for me to say, yes, I will join the organization. And I'm now honored to be a member, and fortunate enough, I'm a, a regional board officer for the organization in the U.S. So that Southeast was in Maryland. 2009. Yes. That all happened in 2008 and then i and i took the leap of faith in 2009 well, hold right
2: on. i mean a lot of people didn't join organizations that that can cost you a fair amount of money in 2009 mm-hmm. <laughs> i think
1: i think we would be remiss to say something about kempton's smooth radio delivery he has a lot of radio experience i don't know if you were aware Trent.
2: no i didn't so, you, oh yeah so i mean so you what, can just you tell him trying to take me down he's got it he's got that smooth just it, it, understand
0: WNBC. I mean, many people have tried
2: you can't take me i, down. I
0: want no part of you trump um <laughs> uh, i've learned long ago he that I, I can thing. all i have to do is be a third of the man that you are and that'll be really successful
2: i do have to say i do meet people and we hit it off and they're like hey man i want to go i want to go on a hunt <laughs> trip or spend
0: a couple of days with
2: them." i don't, I don't think you really want to do that be <laughs> That's ready my wife yeah <laughs> she's running on about Thirty-six thousand days now? No, no, more than that actually. <laughs> I don't know. i have my math. We, we've we've got some good history together. That my was friend. a lot of math I just did. All right, I got gotcha. you. About well, uh, about ten thousand days. How about that?
1: You, what, do we need to like actually calculate I the know, days? No, we don't. Don't call me
2: out. <laughs> <laughs> so Kemp, Kempton lives in
0: Louisiana. I do. Sure, you lived
2: right? in you've lived in Louisiana your whole YPO tenure, right?
0: I have. I'm I'm sort of nomadic. Uh, in my fifty years, uh, forty-nine years on this earth, I uh, was fortunate enough to be born in North Carolina. Went to undergraduate school in South Carolina. Lived in Belgium. Lived in Germany, and now I, I reside in Shreveport, Louisiana. And I think I'm the first person ever to move from Brussels, Belgium, to Shreveport, Louisiana. So you are from the Triad. I was. My parents were college professors. So, um, you know, I grew up in the in the '70s and '80s, and. So wherever they were teaching, I was living. So they taught at ECU. They taught at Guilford College. They taught at University of London. So whenever they were teaching, I was, I was living wherever they were teaching. And I would ask my parents on a regular yeah. basis, how do you make money? And th- my parents had one answer, and they go, tenure. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> so I had zero, zero private sector experience growing up.
1: Sounds a little bit like a wow. book that we know really well. Um, I mean, it's sort of the rich dad, poor dad story. I mean, that's exactly what... Robert Kiyosaki talked about in, yeah. in that book.
2: It, 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 very, it really is. But, but when you're a professor and that's your career and you got to feed yourself and your family and raise your family, tenure is what it is, that's right? That's exactly right. That's and what so, you're incentivized to get.
0: And so, you know, one thing I took from, from all of my parents, and there are many yeah. of them, uh, uh, is learn how to critically think and be fungible to any activity you take on you don't have to be great at it but be able to do it and think through why mm-hmm. you're doing what you're doing and that education alone has provided me more than anything i could ever get in a classroom
2: so why in the heck would you be in the great state of north carolina and then go south to go to college at south carolina
0: i was fortunate enough to be really good at playing a sport and um mark burson gave me a chance to play soccer for the university of south carolina and i did that for about a year and a half and before i I had an injury and then decided to join the ranks of the fraternity world and um uh retired from my athletic prowess and moved into real life oh eric berg's a game cock isn't he there's a few of them running around Apple Rock, Apple Rock. They they produce stuff like Apple Rock. What position did you play? I was a goalkeeper with small hands, but a I could, goalkeeper. Yep. Oh man, I, but, okay. But I could I could stop a penalty kick. A
2: goalkeeper, yes, sir. So my show of choice. We talked a little bit about it the last couple of shows. Ted Lasso I'm watching. Oh,
1: you got me hooked on it now,
2: too. Oh, We're man. Episode it's seven. Awesome.
0: We are, my wife and I are on the last episode of the first season, and we enjoy the principles of that show immensely, and not thinking what was coming to us as a visual experience when we started watching it, I didn't realize the quality of the character inside of that programming.
2: It is, whole. they, they, they curse too much, and that's I think that's a British thing.
0: No, oh, yeah, well, I lived in London. I kind of got accustomed to it. <laughs> yeah,
2: but it, the principles of that show and how he carries himself and and the
0: lesson it teaches good lessons. Absolutely, but whenever they market that show at First Blush, you're thinking of uh, of the lead character and and you think of his roles that he has been in professionally. That's right. And you don't you don't your 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 headspace goes directly towards you know kind of fun humor a little bit of vulgarity in the right way, and then all of a sudden he puts on a, a television show that is really full of uh, good character lessons.
2: So I have decided I'm, I'm about, I think I watched three last night, I'm about seven shows into the second season. I have decided unless it goes off the rails, once I finish it, I think people needed, kids need to grow up around a little of what life's really about, so, so the language, uh, I'm going to watch it with the family actually so uh, my dad used to let me watch rambo and stuff like that so good morning Absolutely. vietnam we've talked yeah. about that a couple of times
0: <laughs> death wish life skills are very important you need to you, you don't need to be a scratch golfer but you need to be able to play around the golf there you, you go. don't need to be a great snow skier but you need to be able to get down the slopes you, yep. you you need to know you need to know what a blackjack table looks like you need to be able to live and be be in different environments I got to say I've never sat at a blackjack table yeah, right. Well, I stand.
2: You, you sure. I get yeah. nervous. I stand when I'm nervous. <laughs> Fair enough. You're,
1: but you're talking about Jason Sudeikis who's the actor from, that is from Ted Lasso. And even though he's not the normal character, he still has that same little grin that he always has through all of his roles. It's just kind of like... A word I can't say, eating grin. That um, makes him just just a very personal. A eating grin. They, they, Pops they, used to say that. That's a
0: much better word than I was going to use. See, I didn't know if I could say his name because I didn't want any infringement coming oh, in, so I, I left it. I left it alone. We break every rule <laughs> and every law known to man <laughs> yeah. in this studio. Don't tell on us. We're a wholesome radio.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, so you played soccer for a couple years, got a scholarship. That's what took you down south to the Gamecocks. Finished your college career, got a degree in what? I
0: have degrees in international studies and German. Oh wow! So then you went. I guess you moved east. No, actually, yeah, I did. I went east. <laughs> uh, uh, my first job out of undergraduate school was doing delegation work for the United uh, for the European Union in Brussels, Belgium. That's so cool. You to try to, to help that. promote economic stability in underdeveloped nations around the world. Wow! Dang. And I'm grateful to the University of South Carolina for the education that allowed me to get that occupation. Did you speak German doing that job, or did you speak English? Both, both. So, so my boss was German. Well, I had two. One was Italian, one was German. So I spoke German with uh, my German boss, and I spoke English with my Italian boss. So, so my kids do full immersion
2: language. My second child, Rowan, is German. She okay. She does German. Uh, German River. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know how long she's going to stick with it, but it's cool. Most of her friends, there's a lot of expat folks in Charlotte that, that their kids go to this school. So they're German descent. Uh, most of her best friends in the seventh grade are, are German families, ger- kids from German families. So I love the culture.
0: Uh, it's um, it's a very genuine um, and very authentic and very black and white. So yeah. and I think part of being a global citizen is understanding the different cultures around the world and then being able to adapt to them, not you expect them to adapt to what you that's well said. operate. Yeah. No, I
2: agree, and that's my favorite thing is the cultural aspect and what they're learning holistically as a world. So, man, we're going deep here on the radio. Gamecocks, I didn't think they had depth. Uh, you're listening with <laughs> our guest today's Kempton Schwab. Uh, you're listening to the At Home with Roby show. When we return, welcome back. To At Home with
1: Roby. I'm Patrick McIsaac from Roby Commercial Services. I'm Trent Haston from the Roby Family of Companies. We are with Kempton Schwab. Schwab. Do you know why I said like Sharp? Charles,
0: but not related.
1: Like Charles,
2: but Kempton. And- well, yeah, Trent exactly. Trent
1: threw his sunglasses on. I was like, man, throwing looking
2: sharp. I'm trying to man, my future's broad. We bright. doing this? We're all doing this. We, well, let's, doing go, this? Let's, let's go. Let's go all <laughs> in. We're doing this. <laughs> We're recording this on a Friday and if you're a regular listener to the show, you know how wild we are on you Friday. You can tell it's Friday. It's Friday PM. It's Friday. We
0: got I, I got to go hit the books when I'm out of here. I got to figure out where I'm going when I'm out of here. You don't thing. know, do you? I don't. I need to talk to my wife. Um, I got to be in San Diego on Tuesday, and I and uh, she's leaving Shreveport on Sunday, and so I'm thinking about just staying up here. My brother, I have two brothers that live in Greenville, and I have uh, niece nephews over there, and I think I might just uh, go see go see them for the Greenville, winter. South Carolina. Greenville, South Carolina. That's yeah. Greenville South.
1: Well, I, I got to tell you, I don't think many people are going to feel too sorry for you. As cold as it's been in the southeast, that you ha- say so you have to you have to go to San Diego. Yeah, that, fair enough. That's, and, uh, and there, there some, are certain
0: cities in the there are certain cities that come up when you travel professionally yeah, yeah. that you don't want to go to. Is that one of them? Uh, no. Okay, that is the exact opposite of that, Patrick. <laughs> I was uh, about to say. So San Diego <laughs> is on the me, top of the the top of the list. Yes. Orlando is not. It's not because if you think about it, I mean, think about this. I'm listening. Um, there are two cities in the United States that are not thinking about the business traveler in their mindset. Vegas and Orlando. Good point. And those are the two cities where I just whenever they come up on the radar, I'm like, Good God, I gotta go to those spots. So you're not
1: you're not throwing your Mickey ears on when you're walking through the Orlando mm, airport? No, sir. Orlando the MCO airport is, be getting
2: crowded. Yes, yeah, sir. <laughs> no, the MCO is not my favorite spot. Yeah, yeah. I do know this.
0: But San Diego,
2: I'm all in. I've want... never been to San Diego.
0: <laughs> I'm going to have fish tacos next uh, Tuesday afternoon, and I'm going to be looking at the Pacific at like
1: 80 degrees. It's going to be.
2: But yeah. if I could meet Natron Means and hang out with him, I would. Let's do it. Let's do it. The, the Tar Heel blast yeah. from the past there. Because well, he went to San Diego. I know. And that's what's the matter with sports today. People don't stay at one professional team that long, so you don't get. And, and they was... don't stay in college long enough to get
0: the with... Well, let's have some fun with Natron Means for a second. Um, When I lived in Brussels, I was working for the EU, and the NFC-AFC championship games happened at about 4 in the morning over there, (laughs) and I wanted to watch them. And in 1995, they didn't necessarily have it publicly available in Brussels, so I had to go to a military base and get clearance as a U.S. citizen to watch the two games. Are you joking? And Natron means single-handedly beat the Pittsburgh Steelers to take Stan Humphreys and the San Diego Chargers to the Super Bowl. Stan Humphreys. Yep. And you know where Stan Humphries is from? I don't. He's from Shreveport, Louisiana. Wow. Well, you're from the Triad, so what's your point? My point, being is that Natron Means can destroy anybody's <laughs> He's morning. bad to the bone. He was a running back from he North Carolina, awesome. and
2: he went and played in San Diego, drafted him. W- was he so. b-
0: before or after
1: Leon and Curtis Johnson? He was right before, right? Before. Before, uh-huh. okay. But Carolina Johnson had a nice Johnson? whole
2: string there. Yeah. Man, um, we talking about the Tar Heels. That's it. Sit in sports talk, go around the corner, down the hall. That's it, 16. All right, I'll see y'all later. All right. So... I want to get some. I want to get some grit. So you're the first guest I think ever been on the show in seven years. That worked at the EU. Yes, sir. Okay, European Union. Uh, what brought you back to the states? How'd you get your entrepreneur
0: career going? That's where we're, we need some well, entrepreneur grit. Absolutely. Let me see if I can give you some some data of value. Um, when I was working for the EU, I was on a fast track to becoming an American Eurocrat in Brussels, and I always was. Fascinated by prosperity in the private sector, but I didn't understand it, as I said earlier, with regard to my parents. And so I basically threw my name in a hat and said, I'm looking for a, an occupation that will bring me into the private sector, and I have no skills, I have no experience, uh, but I bring an ability to critically think. And I was fortunate enough to find a company that was selling payphones. In uh, the late 90s, about the same time that I got one of these things, and I'm showing you guys a yeah. cell phone, and they were in, in a in a position of peril. And they were kind enough to give me an opportunity to come in and help reinvent that business. And they took a flyer on me, and I said yes, and I moved to Shreveport and uh, turned that into a custom software development business. Got a couple patents, ended up doing some classified work for the Department of Defense, Yeah, bought out a lot of shareholders along the way, and was fortunate enough in 2017 to orchestrate my own exit so that now I am at almost 50 years of age spending my professional time helping others when they want to monetize the equities they have in their businesses. Dang.
2: I, and, and we've hung out a bunch. I've never heard that that story. That is really a cool story. Yeah. So, so Go ahead. So Go I got so, a question. So how long, when did you move to Shreveport? Uh 1995. I was trying to so 1995 to 2017 you were private sector. Yes sir. How, how wow. quick? I mean,
1: you don't even some people that are listening to this show might not even know what a payphone looks like. I mean, they're so gone. I mean, really you don't see them very much anymore, but when did when did so 95 I think I got my first cell phone when I had my lawn landscaping lawn cutting business in 90, 98. So how, I mean, how, how quick did you shift that into something else other than pay phones? Oh, really
0: fast. Right away. So um, I had my first phone was a Next telephone and yeah. it didn't work until I got to Dallas. Yeah. So so they didn't have did even have cell phone coverage in Shreveport when I when I got my first phone. Unreal. So it didn't work until I crossed the Texas line. <laughs> uh, and I remember when I got my pay phone, uh, or my cell phone, I remember thinking, this is going to be a real problem. Yeah. And uh, true story, I... Uh, said, well, where do they not allow cell phones? And I was like, oh, prisons. So let's go learn how the correctional telecom industry works, and we can take all of the competencies we build in public telecommunications and turn it into independent objective management of correctional telecom then it turned into hang on wait a second we got to have better applications to actually manage these calls and we got to manage these transactions between inmates and their families so we now need to write software to do that so now we're going to take algorithms that we were creating and instead of just using them for public telephones we're using them for correctional telephones and so then we ended up hiring a gentleman who had experience in a a regulated object inspection reporting. So things that are really dangerous that require the government to to have them inspected, like boilers, pressure vessels, elevators, things that if there was a failure would really cause a harm to human beings. And so governments like the state of North Carolina are going to regulate those things, but companies like travelers or factory mutual or zurich they're going to insure them and so the insurance companies inspect them because they have the risk and they have to su- they have to supplement the yeah, information to sense. the government to get the certificate of operation so we built applications to develop that and then one thing led to another we were in the louisiana center for manufacturing sciences and we created software to do the uh, on the model based controller for um Uh, manufacturing RDX crystallite explosive, which is a a, a conventional weapon that we use as a country to make sure that we can, you know, do harm to our enemies while protecting those that we want to protect. And if you think back to the first Gulf War, uh, Saddam Hussein's strategy was to put civilian targets next to military targets. And when we would deliver our conventional munition, it would actually harm both. So the project that we took on was to harness all of that capability and make sure that we only destroyed what we wanted to and nothing more. And so I was a part of a team to do that project, which was a lot of fun. Wow. Dang. <laughs> you know, I did a study
2: abroad in London in 99, and the first call I made home was from a payphone.
0: I beca- probably cost you about 3 bucks a minute, too. Uh, I have no idea how much <laughs> my father paid for that call. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you this, that uh, – I lived in a house with uh, a German, uh, Belgian uh, man, and a Greek girl, and uh, the commonality of languages that we had to all kind of work through with one phone that you could, like, it had a, it had a probably a hundred foot cord to it, yeah. and you could take it into each of your rooms, yep. and uh, you had to kind of figure it out, and, and, and some of us spoke English, some of us spoke German, some of us spoke Greek, some of us spoke French, and we had to figure out a way to communicate. It was a lot of fun. That is cool. Man, goodness gracious. So, what made you want? How did you sell your business? You know, it was a, a series of fortuitous events. Um, as I mentioned, I was a part of several transactions to uh, gain equity in the company, and um, at the right time, when uh, I wanted to monetize it, I was able to go through a process. And I was a bit disenfranchised by the traditional investment banking approach in the United States that just wants to do a transaction. And I was, I was very, very uh, fortunate to meet a YPO guy from uh, Vancouver. He's originally from Toronto, who specializes in selling businesses with strategic investment thesis to buyers. And um, we did the right transaction, not just a transaction. And at the culmination of that, I now know that I'm put on this earth to help other owners when they're ready to monetize that equity by finding the right buyer for their business, not just a buyer for the business.
2: Huh. Well, Kempton, you're in the studio. We I, we usually kick our guest off for the last segment. No, nah, you're here, here, yeah. And, and what you're doing at this stage of your life is helping people buy and sell business. I want to hear about some of the stories. Sure. We we stick around for one more segment. One hundred percent. All right, you're listening to At Home with Roby. We're having a blast today. We got Kempton Swab when we return. Welcome back
1: to At Home with Roby. I'm Patrick McIsaac from Roby Commercial Services. I'm Trent Haston from the Roby family of companies. We are your hosts. You still here? I'm i I've been to W F and Zoom.
2: Part of this getting Kempton on the last segment. I mean we might be making a transition here. So no. <laughs> no. you already you already kicked me to WFNZ. We talked too much sports. I, I, I wasn't joking in the break when I asked Kempton to do the intro. No. <laughs> hey, Patrick, I may be coming for your job. Yeah. <laughs> that okay, might be man. my next hey. career. Hey, <laughs> there's a life with You're everything. You're gonna love the pay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with a generous, uh, with a generous benefactor like you, Trent, I'm sure it will be fantastic. <laughs> we get lunch every occasion That's it. once about four times a year, quarterly. We quarterly lunch. No, we've had lunch a couple times in the last month. That's it. We have breakfast my favorite thing was the other day i told reagan i dropped the kids off at school and i said i, I thought i'm gonna go i thought i'm gonna go eat breakfast and chill and just kind of get my mind right and I, I pull in the parking lot and i see patrick and matt's cars <laughs> i'm like they buying breakfast <laughs> 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 this is a free breakfast <laughs> no uh I, i'm being facetious again it was a free. You did breakfast, buy breakfast. Yeah, yeah okay. I was about to say. Yeah, <laughs> we had a good time. I think you. I think it cost you an extra hour and a half of your uh, <laughs> your your productive day. <laughs> yeah. But it was good. We got a bond. So Kempton. So now you had such a good experience because you met a fellow YPO. I think that's key. Patrick hears this all the time. If a YPO f- person that I completely respect, which m- most everybody, you know, says you got to do this, or this is what you do. Then why do I need to go waste the time and reinvent the
0: wheel? That's right. They've already done all the legwork. That's right. And, and and a lot of people, when they, they they sell their businesses, they do it in a reactive mindset versus a proactive one. And do you know how many businesses go through an exit, Trent? I have no clue. All of them. Really? Everyone. Explain that. Makes sense. So the business will either go bankrupt It will be sold or it will be transferred, but that is an exit in every case of the word. And a lot of times people use death, disease, divorce as reasons to actually go through the transaction and they are then boxed in to who will pay To get them out of the deal what i try to make sure i spend my time doing is let's reverse that and let's think about who would value owning your company the most so in my personal situation the strategic value of the business was the contracts and procurement vehicles that were transferable that we had as an organization into another company that could sell off of those procurement vehicles at a higher margin than what we could make. And so we were fortunate enough to be really proactive in our exit. And I advise that holistically to anyone with which I work is do not react and do not sell your company out of distress. Do it proactively and it's okay to monetize your equity and then do something different when you're ready. But professionally guys I feel like I'm part therapist part executive coach and then M&A advisor and that comes at the very end because if you're not ready then there's no reason to even start the process and then but if you are and you're ready and we want to do it smartly then let's do it the right way
2: that's exactly very well said what do I always say in our business and in life it's a game of heels and toes you want to be on your toes not on your heels Because you're in more control, you're level-headed, you're not, I call it being pregnant. You know, people that are out to win a deal, which I don't, I think deals, I think all transactions, in my opinion,
0: should be win-win. That's exactly right. Yeah, I
1: think everybody would agree with that.
0: And a lot of times when, you know, I'm working with a team of people to actually go through an exit the buyer often isn't looking to buy the business and you're bringing them an investment thesis for the future of their business Mm. that if you can, if you can thread that needle of if let's just say that the market is saying that this business is worth 10 times uh, EBITDA and that's probably not a term that your listeners are going to know, but that's how much money you make per year. And the market says that you're worth 10 times that. Well, maybe there's somebody that thinks you're worth 20 times that Mm, maybe somebody, but maybe if you fold their business into the buyers, and you think about it from the buyer's perspective, understand what they want, incorporate that investment thesis into the transaction, what happens is the buyer gets opportunity and the seller gets prosperity. I
1: mean, that makes complete sense. I mean, I think you're 100% right. I mean, I think that goes with anything. I I think we have a business lesson of the day here is about being proactive. I mean, the, the examples that you gave, I mean, how many times does this happen? I mean, the percentage of people that are reactively selling Versus proactively selling them, it's probably ten to one. I would. That's a
2: aha moment. I mean, a hundred percent. You think about that. You do. Like you say, it's usually because something happened in their life, a yeah. circumstance change, and it's usually not that good of a circumstance. So then they're emotional.
0: Well, you're you're opening up yourself to be taken advantage yeah, of.
2: Really. I agree.
1: Yeah. And what
0: happens is, is, and I mean, no offense to private equity or venture capital or any of those industries that are out there, but they want to, what do they want to do? They want to use other people's money to buy businesses at the lowest possible amount and then sell them for the highest possible yep. amount for their investment, for their investors to get a return. Our job and my job in this, in this professional career that I've chosen to do is to protect the owner through that process and make sure that they do not get taken advantage of. Wow. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot. we got about
2: a minute left here. Awesome you stuck around. Great. Um, um, a couple aha moments. What's one life one life philosophy you live by? Just business, no business, whatever. I'm putting you on the spot. And then tell people how they can look you up, get a hold
0: of you. Well, I think I'm the only Kempton Schwab, K-E-M-P-T-E-N, on planet Earth. Uh <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I was named that because nine months before I was born, my parents were hanging around Kempton, Germany. So I truly was, was born from free love and nickel Dang. beer. Uh, <laughs> you the, gotta,
2: you gotta meet my daughter Rowan.
0: The, the, the life lesson that I would share is, um, you need four things that I really look for with people. And one is I want high integrity, I want high intellect, I want high work ethic, and I want only work with friendly people, so no no mean people philosophy. And so if 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 I'm going to work with you, we have to get along and we have to be friends. And and you have to work hard and you have to be smart. Dang right, amen. Thank you for joining us, Kempton. My pleasure, Trent. Thanks for having me. I hope there's a reason for me to come back.
2: The only Kempton, K E M P T O N He's a perfect. I don't weigh two thousand pounds yet. I'm working on it on Earth. Ten out of ten. E N on the Kempton. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to At Home with Roby. Listen, go have a wonderful day. Do the golden rule. Treat others the way you want to be treated and be positive. Amen to that. Have a wonderful day.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.